Psalm 134. A song of ascents. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord, who made heaven and earth, bless you from Zion. Brothers and sisters, this is a a very fitting close to the series of psalms that are designated here in the book of Psalms as the Songs of Ascents. And it's a fitting close to those psalms because we uh, see here in this psalm the priests of the Lord performing their highest office or being called to the performance of their highest office. Bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. And we see also the A secondary function of those same priests exercised in verse 3. The Lord made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. Now, of course, we are the New Testament priesthood. And therefore, the first part of this psalm calls us to be blessing the Lord. And the second part of this psalm is the blessing of the Lord upon us as the congregation of the Lord gathered in his presence to bless him. I'd like to read to you uh, G. Campbell Morgan's uh, brief comment on this psalm in his book, Notes on the Psalms. He says, This is the last of the songs of ascents and breathes the spirit of rest. As in the previous one, the joy of the fellowship of faithful souls was the burden Here it is, that of the sense of peace and rest flowing from fellowship with Jehovah. The atmosphere of the song is that of rest. The sun has sunk in the west. The activity of the day is over. Quietness pervades the city. The pilgrims have found the hour of peace. At the center of the people is the temple. Their priests still keep their vigil. They by night stand in the house of Jehovah. The last thought of the pilgrim is of the goodness of Jehovah, and the song calls to the temple watchers to bless his name. In the stillness there comes back the answer of the priests. It is one of blessing upon the worshiper. Thus in the silence of night, ere sleep comes, the worshiper blesses Jehovah and is blessed by him. It is the fellowship of rest. By faith the pilgrims of today have access to this fellowship every night. There is one watcher in the holiest, who never slumbers, and through him our worship is perpetual. His voice speaks the word of benediction to us in response to our adoration. This is rest indeed. So we look at the psalm under the theme, Blessing Given and Received. And in verses 1 and 2, of course, at Blessing Given, and in verse 3, at Blessing Received. There are a couple of questions that we need to answer about the first two verses. And the first of them, which is by implication already answered by G. Campbell Morgan's thing, is who are these servants of the Lord? And I believe that the proper answer is the one that Morgan gave, and that is that they are the priests and the Levites who serve in God's house. 
That word servants is a word which is sometimes applied to the people of God in general. But it's a word that's also sometimes used in a special sense for those who held office, who served the Lord in special offices. So, for example, the prophets were often called servants of the Lord. David often, as king of Israel, spoke of himself as a servant of the Lord. And the priests, too, bore this title in their particular office. Just for one example of that, we can look at 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 23. 2 Kings 10, verse 23 where we read this. Then Jehu and Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, went into the temple of Baal and said to the worshippers of Baal, Search and see that no servants of the Lord are here with you, but only the worshippers of Baal. And They probably meant, I think, the priests of the Lord. They didn't want to kill any of the Lord's priests. So that's one reason The word servants can be applied particularly to the priesthood. The second reason is that we read of them that they stand in the house of the Lord. And that word also is a word that designates their official function sometimes in the Old Testament. Again, a couple of examples, this time from Deuteronomy 18. Deuteronomy 18 verses 5 and 7. In verse 5, we read, For the Lord your God has chosen him, that's the priest, out of all your tribes to stand to minister in the name of the Lord, him and his sons forever. And then again in verse 7, Then he may serve in the name of the Lord his God, as all his brethren the Levites do, who stand there before the Lord. So that word stand has this kind of official connotation in some passages, and I think that's the point here too. These are servants of the Lord, specially appointed servants of the Lord, who stand, that is, who are in the temple to perform their official functions. And then, uh, finally, you have that word by night, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Now, we read, of course, in um, Luke chapter 2 of Anna, the prophetess, who uh, served God day and night in his temple with fastings and prayers. But in general, of course, the temple would not have had very many people in it at night, very many worshipers in it at night. But there were priests and Levites there who had to perform certain functions. And we can talk briefly about those functions. First of all, there was the maintenance of the lampstand. The lamps had to be kept burning. You read about that in Leviticus chapter 24, verses 2 and 4. Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. And again in verse 4, he shall be in charge of the lamps on the pure gold lamp stand stand before the Lord continually. So that was one function that had to be maintained by night, one office that had to be performed. 
We also find in the law that the priests had to maintain a fire on the altar of burnt offering. That's in Leviticus chapter 6. Leviticus chapter 6, verses 9, 12, and 13. In verse 9, command Aaron and his son, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth upon the altar all night until morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. And in verse 12, the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And in verse 13, a fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. So they maintained the lamps burning in the uh, holy place. They maintained the fire on the altar of burnt offering. And then later on, when the um, singing was instituted for the temple, this was a function that also continued during the night, interestingly. 1 Chronicles 9, verse 33. 1 Chronicles 9, verse 33. This is in the genealogies of the Levites. But you read in connection with that, these are the singers, heads of the fathers' houses of the Levites who lodged in the chambers and were free from other duties, for they were employed in that work day and night. So the the Levites and the priests had these functions to perform in the house of God. And it is then to them, first of all anyway, that the words of this psalm are addressed. Behold, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who by night stand in the house of the Lord. Let these priests and Levites then continue their service, a service on behalf of all the people of God, and of course, since they were representatives of God's people there in the sanctuary, a service which also uh, by signs, the Old Testament signs and types, demonstrated the presence of the people of God in that sanctuary also. But notice that their function, their primary function, even by night, is not just simply to maintain certain aspects of the uh, temple and to obey the law of God with regard to the lamps and with regard to the altar of burnt offering, but is to bless the Lord. This is their primary function. As you stand there by night in the house of the Lord, bless him. This uh, blessing of the Lord is, of course, uh, not a blessing which adds anything to the Lord. He is, has all good in himself, is infinitely good in himself, and the best that any servant of the Lord can do in his house is to acknowledge that great, that infinite goodness that belongs to God, the God who dwells there in that house. You see a picture of this, actually, in Revelation chapter 4. I want to take the time to read the verses related here because I think these verses give us a very uh, detailed picture of the kind of thing that is expected here in this psalm. Revelation 4, beginning at verse 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. 
And they do not rest day or night. Notice that. They do not rest day or night saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They are blessing the Lord. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. These 24 elders then who represent the church of the Old and New Testament are also blessing the Lord and blessing the Lord whenever the four living creatures do it, whether by day or by night. You are worthy, O Lord. Now we also want to ask regarding this psalm, what does it mean to lift your hands? In general, I think we may say that this lifting of the hands signifies prayer. You can see that in Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. So it's prayer in general. But prayer can be of two different types. Of course, you, can't, you have prayer of supplication, and you find this word lifting, or this term of lifting up of hands in connection with the idea of supplication in Psalm 28, verse 2. Hear the voice of my supplication when I cry to you, when I lift up my hands toward your holy sanctuary. So there's the idea of supplication. But you also find this lifting of the hands in connection with the idea of blessing. Thus in Psalm 63, verse 4. Psalm 63, verse 4. That's the other kind of prayer, the prayers of adoration and praise and blessing and thanksgiving that we offer to the Lord. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. And I think that's the idea that we have here. This lifting of the hands is a lifting of the hands to bless, to bless the Lord. We read in Luke chapter 24, verse 50, that as our Lord was ascending into heaven, he lifted his hands to bless his disciples remaining on earth. So the idea here in this psalm is, yes, it's prayer, prayer but prayer particularly, I think, of adoration, of prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of blessing of the Lord for his abundant goodness, for all that goodness that resides in himself and is poured out on his people. All of this then is rooted in the basic idea, that idea that uh, we're very familiar with, that is uh, associated with the tabernacle throughout the Old and New Testaments, that the Lord is present there in that place. 1 Kings chapter 8 in Solomon's prayer with regard to the dedication of the temple, he asks that the Lord be there 
in that temple and the Lord's answer to his prayer is my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. The Lord's eyes are toward that place. The Lord himself dwells in that place. And the Lord then, as he is in that place for the dwelling with his people, receives his people's blessing, their prayers of adoration and thanksgiving. We are, of course, the priests of the New Testament. We remember his name in the night. Our soul desires him by night. We rise by night to give him thanks. It is good to give thanks to the Lord by day and by night, according to Psalm 92. And our function as priests is both a private function and a public function. The public function to enter into his courts with the rest of his people and there to bless his name through our songs and our prayers. And the private function in the privacy of our chambers to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus and there in that most holy place to offer also our prayers and songs of thanksgiving and adoration and blessing. Psalm 42 verse 8 talks about the public function. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. The sanctuary is a sanctuary that is on earth in the form of his church, but it is also a heavenly sanctuary to which the Lord calls us in the fellowship of all the saints of all ages and of the angels and of our Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the gates of that sanctuary are always open to us day and night for us to offer our blessings to the Lord. So we hear this too. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. In the second part of the psalm, we have the other side of the function of the priests. Not just blessing the Lord, but also blessing the people. The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. This is, of course, exactly according to what the Lord himself commanded the priests to do in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. So if you think about this psalm then briefly, in, in the way we've just looked at it, you have the congregation exhorting the priests to bless the Lord in verses 1 and 2, to perform their primary function there. And then you have the priests, after they have blessed the Lord, turning 
to bless the people with the words of verse 3, The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. The Lord's blessing of his people is different from their blessing of him. We can add nothing to him by our blessing. He is the overflowing fountain of all good in himself. But when he blesses us, he does add to us. He opens the storehouses of his grace and enriches us day after day after day with that goodness which belongs to himself. We should emphasize, I think here, that this is blessing. Too often commentators, even on this uh, third verse of the psalm, talk about prayer as if these are words addressed to God. They're not. They're not. Of course, there's a very close association between prayer and these blessings or benedictions. But the blessing or the benediction is according to the prayers that have been made. The prayers were the prayers that the priests made on behalf of the people to God, signified by the offering of incense on the altar of incense. But the benedictions were words of the Lord to his people through those official representatives. They were the authoritative and official word of the Lord to his people. The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you from Zion. And they were words of blessing that blessed as the people received those words by faith. We should when we're worshiping and we hear the minister of the word proclaiming the blessing of the Lord, hear the word of the Lord to us. And we should take hold of that word by faith and we say, yes, indeed, the Lord is blessing us through this blessing, this authoritative word of the minister of the gospel. The Lord who made heaven and earth bless you and we are blessed. But two more things about that. First of all, the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord is very highly exalted, of course. He is the one who made heaven and earth. He's not part of heaven and earth. He doesn't belong to heaven and earth. He cannot even really dwell on heaven and earth. The heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain him. He's too far exalted, too great in his majesty and glory to dwell on earth. And so we are coming into the presence of one who is infinitely greater than ourselves and it is necessary for us to humble ourselves before him. But this same one who is exalted far above heaven and earth is therefore able to bless according to the blessing here proclaimed. He has the power to bless. And we trust him to bless according to his power. And he who is exalted above heaven and earth condescends to his lowly people to men. Psalm 113 talks about it. The Lord is high above all nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who dwells on high, who humbles himself 
to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. And then the blessing that he gives. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap that he may set him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. So this God who made heaven and earth is first of all a God far off, a God infinitely exalted, a God before whom we humble ourselves and to whom we come to offer praise. But he is also the God who has blessed us by humbling himself, even by humbling himself in his Son, to be near to us and to bless us. And he is a mighty God who is able to bless according to what he has said. Finally, bless you from Zion. Zion is the place of his dwelling. Zion is the place where we seek him. Zion is his church. The new and living and spiritual house of God in the New Testament. It is the place of joy It is the place of blessing. It is the place of life. And there we bless him and he blesses us. From that place and only from that place comes the riches of his goodness. So we see here two sides of worship, don't we? We see that we talk to God and he talks to us that we bless him and that he blesses us. And there is no greater joy, people of God, than to be in the presence of God, both to bless and to be blessed, both to give blessing and to receive blessing from the hand of our great God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who sits at the right hand of God, and blesses God on our behalf. And from that position at the right hand of God, blesses us according to the riches of his grace. May God bless his word for us.